Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Will you turn in your Bibles, please, to um, 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, it says, A wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and she told the man of God and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. This woman in this story is in a great need. Would anybody agree this morning that it's pretty serious if you're in debt and they're coming to take your two children away to pay the debt? Who would agree that's pretty serious need? I mean, you may want them to take your children away, I don't know. But I'm presuming that she didn't. This is a serious need. And she goes to the man of God wanting an answer to her need. And the man of God says something that's very surprising. He doesn't lay hands on her. He doesn't say a prayer. He doesn't do anything of that. He simply asks her a question. What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? You know, many times as Christians, we want our breakthrough to come from outside. But many times, the answer is in you. The miracle is in you. You see, the Bible says that Christ, the hope of glory, is in you. This woman was in what she thought was a hopeless situation. But the hope to her situation was right there in her very house. And if you have Christ in you, you always have hope. Because Christ, the anointed one, the hope of glory is in you. So many times your miracle may not come from something outside. But actually God has put a miracle in you. For example... You read in the book of Judges how God's people were under bondage from the Philistines. And it says that the people of Israel cried out to God for a deliverer. 
And an angel came to a couple and he said to this lady, you are going to give birth to a son called Samson and he will be the deliverer. You see, she was crying out for a deliverer, for God to send deliverance. But actually, the deliverance was in her belly. And you know, many times we want to go to a conference. We want a man of God to lay hands on us or prophesy on it, over us. We want some kind of, to go somewhere we will, where we will experience something spectacular in order to receive our breakthrough, our miracle, when God actually says, what's in your house? What is in you? Christ is in you. Does it get any better than that? The Holy Ghost is in you. That if the anointing is in you, that the fire, the river, the glory of God is in you. And friends, many times God wants to actually birth something in us. So rather than somebody coming and, and, and praying the anointing over us, and then that, that keeps us going for a few months till the next conference, Actually, God wants to birth his anointing in us so that we carry the power and the presence and the glory of God wherever we go for the rest of our days. God is raising up anointed ones. Friends, what do you have in your house? You know, people say, oh, I'm just a Christian. Do you realize what you're saying? I'm just an anointed one. You know, that's what the the name Christian means anointed one because they were so like Jesus friend and you know just to say well I'm just an ordinary Christian friends there's nothing there's no such thing as an ordinary Christian friends you have the power the anointing the glory of God in your life if you belong to Jesus and friends we just need that revelation you know the Bible says that we have all been given one spirit in which to drink you know there is only one Holy Spirit do you believe that it's not like we've got, you know, that there's a Holy Spirit that Benny's got and Reinhard, and we've kind of got some reduced kind of version. No, we have the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in us. Hallelujah. Friends, we need that revelation. She said, I've got nothing. Do you ever feel like you've got nothing? What have you got? Nothing, except, except a little oil. She didn't think she had much. But you know that little bit of oil that she had was the answer to her need. You know, oil in the Bible, it's a picture of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, how many times, even as Pentecostal, as spirit-filled Christians, can we kind of think, well, I've not got much. Have you got the Holy Spirit? I've not got much, but I've got a little bit of oil. Friends, all the power of God is in that little bit of oil that's available to you this morning. The same spirit. You see, the word anointed actually means to rub with oil. That's what it means. So Jesus, when he stood up in the synagogue in Luke 4, he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. He has rubbed me with oil. 
Who knows that the same Holy Spirit is on you this morning? The same Holy Spirit has anointed you this morning. Acts 10 talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Who knows that's the same Holy Spirit that's on them this morning? Who knows the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you? Does anyone believe that this morning? I said, does anyone believe that this morning? I've got nothing. You've got the oil. You have the anointing. The same anointing that Jesus had when he raised Lazarus from the grave. The same anointing that Jesus had when he spoke to the storm and said, be still. The same anointing that Jesus had when he healed the lepers and he opened blind eyes. It's the same anointing that you have. The same anointing that Peter and John carried as they were going to the house of God and they saw the, the lame man and, and the lame man said, uh, ask them for money and, and Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto you. What did they have? They had the oil. They had the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that was enough to cause power to come into that lame man's legs and for him to walk and leap and dance and praise God. What is in your house? Friends, if only we realized what we have in Jesus. I remember hearing a story of a very famous preacher lived a couple of hundred years ago called Charles Spurgeon. And uh, he was pastoring a very large church in London. And in his church, there was a, or or near in the neighborhood of his church, there was a, a very elderly lady. And this lady lived in absolute poverty. She had no husband, she had no children, she had no family, she had nothing. And so she had been living in these terrible conditions in Victorian London. You know, she had no food, she had no clothing, she had no heating in her house. And this lady was dying of, uh, because of her, of her poor living conditions. And so they called on Charles Spurgeon to go and just pray with this lady before she, she, she died. And as he went into the house, he, he, he smelt the, the terrible stench and, and he, he gripped his coat around him as he was so cold and he could just see the terrible conditions that this lady had lived in. And as he was by the side of the bed, he looked around this sparse, empty room and he could only see one thing uh, of any real kind of significance And that was that on the wall, there was a piece of paper that was in a frame. And he said to the lady, what is that piece of paper? And the lady, she kind of, kind of croaked out the answer and she explained that as a young lady, she had been a maid in a huge mansion. And the lady who owned the mansion was one of the richest ladies in the whole of England. And for many years, she had been a maid to this lady. Then this lady had died, and she had no children, she had, she had nothing, and so uh, th- this lady found herself out of work. And she said, as this, this rich lady, one of the richest ladies in England, as she died, she gave me this piece of paper. But I've never been able to read, I've never been able to write, I have no idea what it says, but it's so precious because it, it belonged to my to, to, the, to my mistress and so I just put it in a frame and hung it on the wall 
And Charles Spurgeon went over to look at it. And as he looked at the piece of paper, his heart broke and he began to cry. Because he realized that what this piece of paper was, was the rich lady's will. And in her will, she had left everything to her maid. This maid was entitled to a mansion, to thousands in today's money, millions of pounds. But because of her ignorance, she had never realized what she had. Friends, who knows that we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. And our inheritance is much more than a mansion and money in the bank. But our inheritance is that we would walk in the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost. And many Christians don't realize what they have in Christ Jesus. Friends, what is in your house? What is in your life? You know, in the Old Testament, both kings and priests were anointed with oil. And friends, when the oil of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you become a king and a priest in the kingdom of God. A king is someone that has authority, someone that rules and reigns. A priest is someone that had intimacy with God, that could come into the Holy of Holies and offer up prayers and incense and get around the glory of God. And friends, when the oil of God comes upon your life, you become a king. You get to rule and reign over sickness, over circumstances, over all the works of the enemy. Does that sound good this morning or afternoon? But not only do you become a king, you also become a priest. As we heard this morning, you get to come right into the very holy of holies, right into the very presence of God. And you get to know him and be intimate with him and be a friend of God. That sounds good this afternoon. But friends, the key is the oil. We have nothing apart without the oil. But when we have the oil, we have everything. And this lady said, I have nothing except a little oil. And friends, you might be sat there this afternoon and you might say, well, I don't know the Bible back to front. I don't have as much faith as other people. I might not have everything in my life altogether. But friends, if you allow the oil of God's spirit to get on you this afternoon, then friends, you can be transformed. Your circumstances can be transformed. I've been in situations in my life where I've not had much, but I've had the oil. And I've found that the oil is enough every time. I remember being in, in Kenya a few years ago and uh, uh, praying for a lady that was heavily pregnant. And uh, it was in a, a Shake the Nation's crusade. And Nathan had, had preached the gospel and thousands had come to Christ. And then he sent the team out to pray for the sick. And I thought, well, I'll look for the easy ones. You know, people with headaches or whatever. You know, I'll leave the guys with the crutches to, to you know, to the evangelist. That's fine. I'll just... And I saw this lady that was heavily pregnant and she came up to me and I thought, well... She probably just wants me to pray the blessing of God over a baby. So, you know, I can do that. That's fine. So I, I said to her, you know, what, what's wrong? Would you like me to pray a blessing over you? And she said, I'm eight months pregnant, but I've not felt my baby move for over a month. And I thought, that doesn't sound very good. We found out later that she'd been to the hospital and the doctors had done a scan and they told her that the baby had actually died. 
and she would have to have an operation to, to remove the dead baby, but it cost money. And she didn't have the money for the operation, and so they sent her home. And here she was stood in front of me. Who knows that in a situation like that, you feel completely helpless. I thought, what on earth do I do or say to help this lady? I had nothing except a little oil. And all I could think of to do was lay my hands on this baby, on this woman's stomach, and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to live. And as I spoke those words, the baby kicked in the mother's womb. Friends, that's the oil. That's the oil. I had nothing but the oil. The oil. I remember uh, being in another nation in Africa and uh, praying for a, a young girl. And in this crusade, there were many people who were manifesting demons. This will be a good one for your Thursday night study. And um, the people were casting out demons and I thought, oh, this looks pretty fun. So I, I, went, I went into the tent where all these people were and there was a young girl there. She was called Letty. She was about nine years of age. And she, she was heavily uh, under the influence of an evil spirit. So much so that it took several grown men they were holding her down because she was so strong with supernatural powers. And I kind of went up to her and did what I thought you do in those situations. I just said, come out in the name of Jesus, thinking that'll work. To my surprise, the little girl spoke, but it wasn't her speaking. It was the demon speaking through her. And... She said, there are nine of us and we're not coming out. Go away. So again, I thought, what on earth do I do here? You know, this was not in my ministerial training. They never told me how to do this one at AOG conference. I had nothing except a little oil. And the Bible says greater. It's he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so myself and the guys that were there, we just began to speak the, the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus over this girl. And one by one, the evil spirits left. And the next night, she came running up to me with a big smile on her face, saying, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. Friends, in those circumstances, I was completely helpless. I had nothing of myself. I didn't have the words or the experience, but I had the oil. And the oil empowers you to do the impossible. They're just ministry uh, situations. And you might say, well, I'll never be in a ministry situation like that. But even in life, who knows that sometimes life just throws, throws things at us. And we just don't know how to cope. And you say, I don't have the resources to deal with this. But friends, if you have the oil of the Holy Spirit, you have the power to overcome anything. You know, even the past year, my wife was made redundant very suddenly in her, in, her, in her work situation. My little nephew, Josiah, was very seriously ill and had to have several emergency operations. All kinds of things that just happen. And friends, without the oil, you can't cope in those situations. But the Bible talks about the oil being the oil of joy.
And friends, when the oil of joy is in your life, you can laugh at the things that the enemy throws at you. You can praise Jesus through the storm, knowing that God will bring you through every single time. Friends, there is nothing more precious or valuable in life than the oil of the Holy Spirit. And friends, that oil is available for every man, woman, boy, girl that's here this afternoon. So why is it that some Christians have the oil, they're full of the anointing, full of the power of God, and others don't? Does anybody think that God just has favorites? Or does anybody think that it's God's will for all his children to be full of the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit? So why is it that some don't appear to have the oil? I want us to look at, uh, look at the book of Zechariah, right near the Old Testament, if you can find it. Zechariah chapter 4. It says, then, then the angel who talked with me returned, wakened me as a man is wakened from his sleep. He asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? He answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 11, it says, And I asked the angel, What are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? Again I asked him, What are these two olive branches beside the two golden pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, Do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. So he said, These are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. Lots of uh, kind of prophetic imagery there. But basically what, it, what it's saying is this. There's a picture of two golden pipes. And they're pouring out golden oil. There's a constant flow of oil. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then there's two trees. And it says that these two trees are a picture of the two who are anointed to serve God. Who wants to be anointed to serve God? Amen? And it says that these two trees are planted underneath the flow of oil. And basically what God is showing us here is that the oil was continually flowing. But these guys had to position themselves in order to receive the oil that was flowing. And very simply, I want to say this this, this afternoon. God has poured out his spirit. We don't need to kind of work something up this morning. I keep saying morning. This afternoon. We don't have to work something up. We don't need to shout and plead for God to open the heavens. 
We don't even, and I know often we kind of trip into this language a little bit, but we don't really need in that sense to ask God to give his spirit or pour out his spirit even. Because the Holy Spirit has been poured out. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. The Holy Spirit is right here in this room being poured out. The oil is flowing. The river is flowing. The fire is falling. The glory has been released. But we have to position our lives correctly in order to get under that flow and receive that flow. That's why some Christians have the power and the anointing of God and others don't. It's nothing to do with God having favorites. It's just that some have positioned their lives in, correctly in order to receive the flow of the Holy Ghost. We have to daily plant our lives in the presence of God. It says that they position themselves not 30 miles away from where the oil was, but they position themselves right where the oil was flowing. And I've made a, a promise in my life that wherever the oil is flowing, I'm right there. If God's oil is flowing, I want to plant my life, to position my life where the oil is. And, and friends, if we want to receive the oil, we have to position our lives daily in the presence of God. Because who knows that that's where the oil flows. Yes, the oil can flow in conferences, in revivals, in special meetings. And I, I'll travel if I know that God's moving somewhere. I'm there. But friends, the, the greatest flow of oil is just in your own quiet time. When you're in the, shut in in the presence of Jesus. And yet many Christians, their, their lives are so busy with television, with work, with hobbies, with all kinds of things, that they don't position themselves where the oil is. And then they wonder why there's no power. But we have to plant our lives. Uh, trees, who knows that when trees are somewhere, they don't just visit, they're, they're planted. And here it's not talking about just visiting the presence of God now and again. Planted in the presence of God. The Bible says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Who knows that to get in someone's shadow, you have to get pretty close. Those that wait on the Lord, literally those who soak themselves in God, shall renew their strength. The, the word anointing, as I've already mentioned, it means to, to be rubbed with oil. You know, when you get in the presence of God, God rubs something on you. You know, you carry the atmosphere of the environment that you're most in. Yeah? I, I don't like bonfires. Okay? I hate bonfire night. Okay? Because you just get around a bonfire, even if it's for a few moments, and who knows that your, your clothes smell of that smoke for a long time. If you've even been on, on a bus or, or somewhere where someone's been smoking a cigarette, you just, being in that environment, even for a few moments, you carry that atmosphere for the rest of the day. And many Christians, they spend all their time in the world, and that is the atmosphere that they carry. But friends, when you get in the presence of God, that is the atmosphere that you carry. That's why when the, Peter and John were walking and they saw that crippled guy right there, 
You know, Peter didn't say, John, can you just get on the piano for a few minutes? You know, can, can we, you just call the other apostles and let's have a prayer meeting so that I feel all spiritual? No, right away he was full of the Holy Ghost. And he was able to meet that man's need right then and there. And yet, how many times are we faced with a similar situation? And it's, oh, I, I don't feel the presence of God. I'm not full of faith. I, you know, I don't feel the anointing. And that's because we spent all our lives in an atmosphere of worldliness and unbelief. But friends, if your roots go down into the word of God, if your roots are planted in the presence of God, then wherever and whenever you are and go, you're full of the Holy Ghost all the time and you're able to meet any need or situation that you're faced with. Friends, we need to position ourselves daily in the presence of God. Trees don't move, they're planted. And many times as Christians, and it's a great danger that, that we want shortcuts. You know, someone was asking me uh, during the break about the laying on of hands and impartation. And I believe that you can come to a man or a woman of God, and they can lay hands on you, and an impartation can take place. I believe that. But I also believe that once you receive that impartation, you are then responsible for stewarding that anointing by daily spending time in the presence of God, in the Word of God, in prayer and fasting and worship. And many times it's just, oh, lay hands on me, brother, so I, I get the anointing. And it doesn't work like that. There are no shortcuts to the anointing of God. Yes, someone can come and lay hands on you and something can be imparted, but you then have to pay the price to spend time and be planted in the presence of the Holy Ghost. And trees, I can just imagine these trees as the, the pipes are, are churning out the oil and it's on the, the grass all around. And, and their roots, the, the roots of these trees are going down deep. Just soaking up the oil. I want my life to be like that. I want my roots to go down deep into the presence of God. I want my roots to go down deep into the word of God. Friends, who knows we need to know the word. We need our roots to go down deep into the word. This has to be our daily bread. Our roots have to go down deep into, into just faith and trusting God. You know, many Christians, it's, they want the anointing and they want the fire and they, they want to be like Nathan Morris on the God Channel and yet the slightest problem in their lives and they skip church for three months, they pray, they've, you know, they, 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 there's no roots to them. But friends, if we want the power of God, our roots have to go down deep into just trusting God and His Word and, and prayer and fasting and all these things. It's all about positioning. Look at uh, Psalm 133. Hallelujah. It says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the Jew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Church, what I'm sharing with you this afternoon are some very important principles from the Word of God. 
about how to receive the anointing. Because like I said, we can, there can be a real danger that we just kind of think it's just some shortcut. That we come out to the front and someone lays hands on us and that's it. We're, we're the next Rainer Bonke. But there are principles that we have to put in place in our lives in order for there to be a constant flow of oil. I don't know about you, but I don't want my life and ministry to just be a series of ups and downs. I want there to be a constant flow of oil. And it's about positioning ourselves correctly. We have to, like the two trees, we have to be planted daily in God's presence and word. But then there's another principle here in Psalm 133. It says that the oil flows down. I wonder, um, Phil, could you just come and stand here for me? <laughs> just, just stand there and just turn and face everyone. Peter, could you just, just come and stand behind him? Yeah, just on, on, the, on the... Okay, can you just uh, yeah, hold that correctly? Yeah, it would be my pleasure to do that. <laughs> okay, just gently just put it over his head. Don't pour it, just, just lift it. Sorry, I can't hear that. <laughs> okay, if... Pastor was to, uh, if, if. <laughs> this is not a word from the Lord. <laughs> okay. okay, if he were to pour that water out, who knows that if Phil were to move just slightly this way or that way, Pastor Peter could keep pouring all day long, but he's not going to get wet. Yeah? But if he positions himself correctly, if he comes into alignment, then he's going to get a good soaking. <laughs> Do you see how important positioning is? Okay, you can sit down, guys. Thank The oil flows downwards. And we have to bring our lives into alignment with what God's saying in his word. In because the oil is flowing. I, I want you to get that this afternoon. That God's oil, God's anointing. I feel the presence of the Lord even as I'm preaching this afternoon. That the oil right now, even, even don't, you don't even have to wait for the laying on of hands. Right where you are, you can receive the oil. The oil's flowing. But we have to bring our lives into alignment with what God's saying. It says firstly, that the oil flows on the head. Who's the head? Christ, Jesus. If you want the oil, you have to come under the head. You have to bring your life under the lordship of Jesus. You see, when the prophets in the, in the Old Testament, when they used to anoint people with oil, the oil was contained often in a horn. And one of the, the titles for Christ is that he would be, it is the horn. In other words, that Jesus is the source of the anointing. Friends, one thing I found is this, that when we preach Christ, the oil flows. That when we lift up the name of Jesus, the oil flows. 
And friends, not just in a church setting, but in our own lives as individuals. It's when our lives are submitted to Jesus. When every part of our lives are yielded to Jesus, that the oil flows. It's when our hearts burn with a passion for Jesus, that the oil flows. Not with a passion to have a great ministry or make a great name for ourselves. But when our hearts burn for Jesus, that is when the oil flows. There's a great scripture in, I think it's John 7, where it says the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And I know that that's talking about the ascension and the day of Pentecost and Christ has now been glorified, so the spirit has been given. But I believe that there's a little principle there that that, that has to be in operation in our lives. That many times the spirit has not been given because in our lives Christ has not been glorified. And friends, we have to bring our lives under the headship of Christ. We have to make sure that in everything we do, we have to seek and glorify and honor his name. That if there are areas of, of sin or compromise or darkness in our lives, it takes us out of alignment. And the oil can be flowing as much as God wants to, but none of it gets on us because our lives are, un, are out of uh, alignment with the headship of Christ. Friends, I want to challenge you this, this afternoon. Is your life under the headship of Jesus? That's the only way the oil can flow. But then it says that the oil flows not just on the head, but then it says that the oil flows down upon the beard. The beard, it's speaking of those, it's, it's speaking of maturity. It's speaking of those in leadership. You know, sometimes people come to me and, and they say, I've got the call of God on my life. I'm called to be a preacher. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm, I'm called to be a great man or woman of God. And one thing I often say to them, well, tell me, who are you under then? Who is your pastor? Who is your leader? You see, the oil's flowing, but the oil doesn't bypass the beard. God doesn't bypass his delegated authorities in the church. Pastors, apostles, evangelists, prophets, teachers. And friends, if we want the oil of God's spirit, then we have to make sure that our lives are not only under the headship of Christ, but also our lives are under the beard of the pastors and teachers and leaders that God has appointed in his church. And to come under the beard, it doesn't just mean coming to church, but it actually means treating our leaders and our pastors with honor and with submission and serving them. You think about many of the great men and women of God in the Bible. Moses served for 80 years other people before he got the anointing of God. Joseph served <clears throat> Potiphar and Pharaoh and uh, the, the, the guy in the prison, the prison guard, before he was ever released into his destiny. David served his dad. He, he, he served Samuel. He served Saul before he was ever released into his destiny. 
Nehemiah, the guy who rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, it said he was cupbearer, he was servant to the king before God ever released him into his ministry. Ruth served Naomi before she ever met Boaz. Jacob served his father-in-law for years and years before he had that encounter and his name was changed. The seven deacons in the book of Acts, they just faithfully served, waiting on tables. And at least two of them, Philip and Stephen, had great, powerful, supernatural, miracle ministries. But before that, they just served tables. Made the cups of tea at the end of the meeting. Just helped move in the chairs. Daniel, one of the greatest prophets of all time, and yet he just served kings. They were all faithful in serving. Some of them had to serve ungodly people. Sometimes we have to serve people who are even maybe less gifted and anointed than we are. Sometimes we have to serve people who don't treat us with the respect and honor that we deserve. But friends, we have to make sure that we come under the beard. You say, what has this got to do with the anointing? It's got everything to do with the anointing. When it comes to our pastor, when it comes to our employers at work, when it comes to our husbands, our wives, friends, God is looking for those who will honor, those who will serve, those who will be faithful. And they are the ones he will pour the anointing of his spirit out upon. One thing I found is this. Don't ever try and be successful. Be faithful and God will make you successful. That should have got a louder amen. Friends, if you want to see your vision come to pass... You serve someone else's vision. And God will serve your vision. You know, in my own church, I've been at that church now for 11 years. And during that time, many things have happened where I didn't really agree with some of the decisions that were made. I often wanted changes to happen and they weren't put into place and it was very frustrating. And during that time, I've seen... Many, many people badmouth the pastor and complain and moan and leave. But all that time, I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to stay faithful. I'm just going to keep serving. I'm going to keep blessing. I'm going to keep honoring. And friends, I believe, and this is not bragging or boasting, but I believe that's one of the reasons why today I have a flow of oil in my life of ministry. I didn't do anything great or spectacular. I just served and honored where God had put me. And if you do that, you bring your life into alignment with the flow of oil. You know, it's become, you know, when Elisha, he's one of my heroes in the Bible, you know, when Elisha asked for a double portion, that's kind of become like a bit of a cliche. You know, how many, you know, conferences, the double portion conference, you know, or, you know, you know, revivalists, evangelists will preach. It's like, if you want a double portion, then come to the front. You know, or, or Christians come up to you and say, what would you like prayer for? I want a double portion. That's great, but they forget, in order to get the double portion, Elisha had to serve Elijah for years and years and years and years and years. 
All he had to do, and Elijah wasn't the, the greatest guy to serve. He was a miserable, grumpy old prophet, probably from Barnsley. And all Elisha did was just, it says he poured water on his hands. That's what he was known for. It says, oh, that's Elisha who pours water on the hands of Elijah. It, you know, put it in today's language. Oh, who's that? Oh, that's just the guy that, that does the washing up after the service. Oh, that's a guy that just does the PA or puts the sound out. Elisha was a nothing, but he was a servant. And because of that, he got the double portion. Some of these guys, you know, they come out and it's, I want a double portion. You just feel like slapping them. So we'll go and, go and find a grumpy old pastor somewhere and serve him for 15 years and then, without complaining and then come back. Then you can get a double portion. We have to bring our lives under the head and under the beard. And then it says that the oil flows onto the body. Everybody say body. Who knows that we are the body of Christ? The church. I believe that there's a big difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I think that most preachers and, and ministries miss this. I think it's very clear that in the Old Testament, God anointed individuals. But I think that that's not really in the New Testament. I think in the New Testament, God anoints the body. He anoints the church. All 120 were filled in the upper room. And many Christians, it's, they think that we're living back in the Old Testament. So it's like they come, I want the anointing, I want the power of God, I want the fire of God. And it's like, well, get connected to the body. Because that's where the oil is flowing. I remember being in a, a church um, a couple of years ago in, uh, in Sheffield. And uh, mid-preach... This guy jumped out of his seat and ran to the front and was stood right there just in front of the pulpit. And uh, I kind of didn't kind of know what to do really. Um, so I just said, look, take a seat, brother. I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards. Um, so when I did the ministry time, he was the first guy right in my face. And uh, I said, what, what would you like? And he said, I want your anointing. He says, I've got St. Peter's hands. I thought, well, does, it, does he not miss them? Um, he said, I've got, I've got St. Peter's hands. I lay hands on the sick and they're healed, but I want your anointing to preach as well. I thought, wow, okay. So I just said, what church do you go to? He said, oh, I don't go to church. He said, the Lord's called me out of the church. I just... Go to different churches every week. And then I just go around the streets as an evangelist telling people about Jesus. Because I was a guest speaker and I didn't want to appear rude, I kind of just prayed for the guy anyway. But I knew in my heart that that guy wasn't going to receive what he was hoping for. Because the oil flows on the body. And if you separate yourself from the body, there's so many Christians, it's like they love Jesus, but they just hate Christians. You know, they want to be in the presence of God, but they don't want to go to church. But friends, if you separate yourself from the body, 
you cut yourself off from the flow of oil. And when I'm talking about being part of the body, I'm not just talking about coming to church. There are so many Christians who, who come to church, but they're not really part of the body. I'm talking about being planted in the house of God. That means coming even when it's a little bit inconvenient. That means giving financially. That means speaking life and blessing over the church instead of criticism and negativity. That means serving and ministering. And by ministering, I know, you know, people like get, have an experience with the Holy Spirit and it's like they want the pastor to get them to preach the next Sunday morning. No, no, that's not what ministry is about. Ministry is just serving people, loving people, honoring people, doing what you're asked to do. And friends, it's then when we're part of the body that the oil can flow. Like I did with the illustration there. If Peter could have been pouring all day long, but if Phil had just moved either side, the oil, the, the water in that case, wouldn't have got on him. But if he brought his life into alignment, then he could receive the flow of oil. And friends, remember, the oil flows down upon the head. Is your life under the headship of Christ? The oil flows on the beard. Are you under, um, you know, the, the, the pastors, the leaders that God has, has put in this house? Are you honoring and serving and, and blessing? And then the oil flows upon the body. Are you part of the body? Are you planted in the house of God, serving and giving and, and doing what God has called you to do? Friends, if you are, then you can receive the flow of oil that God is pouring out. And it says there, the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Life and blessing, I like the sound of that. Anybody else? But notice, it's nothing to do with your environment. It's to do with the flow of oil in your life. I often, you know, you often people say, hear people say, oh, church is boring without the Holy Spirit. But actually, kind of twists that a little bit. I think that, that church is, that, that, that it's nothing to do with how much of the Holy Spirit is in a room. It's to do with how much you're in the Holy Spirit. Because I could, we could transport you right now to, you know, the Bay of the Holy Spirit. We could transport you to, you know, a Reinhard Bonnke crusade. Uh, you know, some other, you know, man of God who's got a great ministry. We could put you in that meeting. But friends, if your life is not in alignment, you won't receive anything. Likewise, we could dump you in some, you know, church in the, the back of nowhere where there's no, nothing great happening. It's just dry and a little bit dead. But friends, if your life is under the flow of oil, you'll be fruitful wherever you are. That's why it frustrates me a little bit when people say, oh, my church is just dead, so therefore I'm dead. What's that got to do with anything? You can be in a desert somewhere, and if you're under the flow of oil, you will produce life and fruitfulness. It's all about getting under the flow of oil. And 
the final principle of, of the oil is this. Principle one, being planted daily in the presence of God. Principle two, coming under that flow. And the third principle is this, that the oil fills emptiness. It was when the woman brought the empty vessels that the oil started to fill them. And it was only when there was a lack of emptiness that the oil stopped flowing. You know, God uses <clears throat> words in, in, in the Bible. Things like hunger, thirst. He tells us to seek him. And to seek him with all our hearts. He talks about desire. All these words that speak of emptiness. You know what God is looking for this afternoon is not your knowledge or theology or experience or title or position or how long you've been in church. He's simply looking for your availability. He's looking for your emptiness. And yet the problem with most of us is that our lives are too full. They're too full of TV, they're, still, they're too full of, of hobbies and all kinds of things. Which may all be good and legitimate things. But if our lives are not, sometimes we just need to get rid of a lot of that stuff. So that our lives are just empty spaces that God can fill with his oil. You know, in my life, I, I remember coming to that place of emptiness. See, I was, I was brought up in church. And yet from a very young age, wanted to know God and the oil of his spirit. And I would read in the Bible, you know, stories about Daniel and, and you know, Peter and John and, and Paul and, and Ezekiel and Isaiah, all these guys who had just these incredible encounters with, with the glory of God. And I would read history books about people like Smith Wigglesworth and, and all these guys and just, I wanted some of that. And so I remember saying to my pastor, Pastor, can I have the keys to the church two nights a week? And can I just go in when no one else is there? Because I'm just hungry for God. And so my pastor said, okay, don't break anything. Make sure you lock up afterwards. And just a couple of nights a week, I would just walk up and down the church building. Just saying, God, I'm hungry for you. I remember reading a story about Smith Wigglesworth. About when he used to pray, the glory of God would just be so thick in a room. And there was one pastor said, I don't believe that. So, until he was in a, a prayer meeting with Wigglesworth. And as Smith Wigglesworth began to pray, the glory of God was just so thick that one by one, the pastors, including the guy who was a cynic, they all crawled out of the room. And people said, what happened? And they said, as he began to pray, there was too much of God in the room. Who knows, that's a guy who knows God, who can tap into something. And I wanted that, so I pray and cry out to God, saying, God, I'm desperate for an encounter with your presence, with your glory. I remember one year being at a, a, a conference, an AOG conference in Wales at a caravan site. 
And uh, there was a, a preacher there from, from America, and it was a great meeting. Great worship, great preaching. He did an altar call, and I went forward, and, and the presence of God was there. It was a great meeting. And then we all went back to our caravans. And the guys that I was in the caravan with, they all started talking about what was on TV that night. The football scores from that day. And I remember just think, sitting there thinking, is, is that what it's all about? Do we just come and have a great meeting? And then life just goes back to normal. I don't know about you, but I think that God's got something more than that. And so I remember running out of that caravan and running to, uh, to the nearest park and just sitting down in the grass and, and saying, God, I'm hungry for your power. I'm hungry for your glory. God, I want an encounter with you. And nothing happened. So after a while, I began to think, well, maybe, maybe the oil, maybe the anointing, the glory of God, maybe that's just for other people. Maybe that's just for guys in white suits on, on the God channel. It's not for me. Just little old me from Barnsley. And I began to get on with serving God and started to preach a bit in the church. And the youth group that I was leading started to grow. I thought, yeah, this is okay. Life's good. And I lost that hunger. You know, sometimes success can be a danger. Because it stops you hungering. But actually what we think is a success is actually not even touching the surface of God, the fullness of what God wants for us. And many years later, I was in a meeting, to, late 2006, in, in Wathapon Dern in Rotherham. And Nathan Morris was preaching. He called me out to the front and he laid hands on me. And he spoke these words over my life. He said, God is leading you to a place of encounter. And as he spoke those words, that old hunger, that yearning that I'd had as a teenager for the, for the glory of God, suddenly it rose up within me again. And I immediately went back to, to my church and said, Pastor, I'm having a week's holiday starting today. And I booked a little cottage in North Yorkshire. And I said, God, I'm going to that place and I'm not leaving until I've had an encounter with your glory. And so for a week, no TV, no food, no friends, nothing. Just a week, me and Jesus. And I just said, God, I'm hungry for you. And on the last night, I was just praying and worshiping the Lord. When suddenly, the only word I can use to describe it, I don't say this lightly. But glory, the glory of God filled that room. It was like a thick, weighty presence. And I fell to the floor. And I felt, you may think this is strange, but it's my testimony, so it's true. But I felt a, a literal hand. I couldn't see anybody there, but I felt a physical hand on me. And for several hours, I began to just shake. And it felt like electricity flowing all the way through my body. If you'd never been in a meeting like that or had an experience like that, you might think that sounds strange. And I thought it was strange at the time. My head was thinking, this is really weird. But all I know is this, that from that day on, I have never 
be in the same sense. Because that day, God rubbed me with oil. And from that day on, I used to preach before, but after that, I began to preach an oil flood. I used to pray before, but now I prayed an oil flood. I used to pray for the sick before and they got worse. But after that, I began to pray and people started to get healed. Because I made that emptiness in my life for God to fill. And I've only seen God do just a few little things. I know that God has got so much more for me and for you. And so I have to keep coming to that place of just emptying out all the junk and all the clutter. So I make myself empty again. That God can pour in the oil of his spirit. How much oil can you have? Jesus said that God gives his spirit without measure. Paul spoke about being filled with all the fullness of God. So I don't think there is a limit to the, oil, to the amount of oil that you can have. I just think it's a question of our availability and our positioning. Proverbs puts it like this. In the house of the wise are stars of choice food and oil. In other words, in your life, there's to be that storehouse, that reservoir of the anointing of the Holy Ghost that you can continually draw on and you continue, continually release. As you'd put into practice the principles that we shared this afternoon, you can have that storehouse of oil. Hallelujah. The story that concludes with the woman, the man of God said, go and sell the oil. He says, pay your debts and you can live on what is, what, on what is left. You know, the oil gives life. Wherever there is oil, there is life. And the will of God for every man, woman, boy and girl in this place this afternoon is that you would live life and life more abundantly. That you would have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace and all the others. That you would have the gifts of the Spirit, miracles, faith, power, all these wonderful gifts. The oil gives life. The oil, the anointing, the Bible says, breaks every yoke. If you're here this afternoon and there's a yoke in your life, a, a yoke of sickness, a yoke of depression, a, a yoke of stress, anxiety, whatever it is, friends, where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the oil is, there is freedom. The oil breaks every yoke. That's actually a poor translation. If something's broken, it can be put back together again. The, the actual translation is the oil, the anointing destroys the yoke. Because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, 
go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.